Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities on Elm Street. Thank you all for joining us today for episode 33. Oh my god. Today, <laughs> Fucking right at this time. Yeah. Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> I thought about that on my way here. Well, uh, we just finished filming our mini episode. So if you're interested in that, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash oddities on Elm Street. Hell yeah. Come on over. Uh, and before I forget, because I always do, if you have a story for us, then send it on over to listenertales at gmail.com. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. So, if you weren't here last week, we talked about the case of Brooke Slocum and Charles Openier. Uh Very heavy. Very. We're not... And we're, even at the end of the episode, I didn't include it, but once we were finished, I told you, I was like, I'm, I can't do another true crime episode next week. So... We are not doing another true crime episode. Well, I mean, it's kind of true crime. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it will have some. Not, it is not heavy. Yes. Nor in depth. Um, and it's a little bit different from what we typically do. Um, but if it's something that people like, then we can, like, do it up. You know? We can do it. Oh, yeah. I can tr- contribute more. <laughs> you did a great job. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Because this is what I do. <laughs> this is your this specialty. Is my social media. <laughs> yeah. Go on Reddit. Read shit. Yeah. So we'll read some uh, crazy, scary, creepy stories from Reddit. Reddit. Um, but before we do that, let's do our morbid tidbit. Oh, golly. So a woman in Ecuador who was declared dead knocked on her coffin at her own Mm-mm. funeral. <laughs> Mm-mm. So the government now is investigating the hospital where the woman was being treated. Her son said they were already five hours into the week before they started hearing noises from inside the coffin. Can you imagine if she wouldn't have woken up in time? She's this just is, buried this is alive. Why the shroots do what they do. What did the shroots do again? Put a Put a bell? No. That was your thing. Yeah. They gave him just another, um, just a shot before they put him in the ground, just in case. Because they, some grave diggers found some clawing, claw marks. (gasps) Do you not remember that? No, I don't. I don't remember that at all. Because at the, the wedding episode, they're like standing in their graves. Like Angela and Dwight are standing in their graves. Ugh. Blank. Well, I get it now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, her name was Bella Montoya. She had initially been admitted to the hospital with a possible stroke and cardiopulmonary arrest. She was declared dead when she didn't respond to the resuscitation. Good thing they didn't start embalming her or cremating her. I don't think that that's a thing in Ecuador to like embalm the dead. 
I could be wrong, but from what I read, it's not really a thing there. Um, but yeah, so after she was taken out of her coffin alive, she was rushed back to the hospital. Hey guys. Because they're still, they're still worried about her condition, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, just so, just so crazy. Can you fucking imagine being at a funeral? I would shit myself. I would shit and throw up at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Both ends like, just can't contain it. It sounds... I've, I would feel like I'm going crazy. I'm like, don't. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, don't tell anyone what you just heard. <laughs> the poor, poor person's like, let me out of here. I'm like, y'all can't know I'm crazy. <laughs> God. Oh, this is oh. so terrifying to think about. But, oh my God. Seriously, though, like, she could have been buried alive and no one would ever know like how would you know unless like you were saying they dig up the grave Grave however many years right and there's claw marks on the inside (laughs) we just so happened to stumble upon this so crazy yeah all right well like i said earlier we're gonna read some stories from reddit um I didn't get a chance to read all of the stories you sent me. I skimmed through them. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I trust your judgment enough. But don't be surprised Hopefully. by my reaction to the stories because it might be my first time really... Well, I was really... falling asleep during some of them, so... <laughs> oh, great. We're both in for a surprise. <laughs> Well, and vice versa, because I have some stories on here, too, that I didn't share with you. Bitch. Okay, whatever. Okay. We'll get going. Let's do it. That's so excited. Um, well, the first one I wanted to talk about is not necessarily, like, a full story. It's the one you sent me. Yeah. I that- looked into it more. Okay. It's a true story, and it's probably one of the most fucked up things I've ever heard. In my entire yeah, life. I, I knew that I I had that one saved. And I knew that I had... I think that was the first one that I sent you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the title was... Sister skinned, decapitated, dismembered, plus more, in front of children by husband. Ask me anything. Oh, AMA... So, she says, after quote-unquote family portraits with her corpse and attempt to nurse my newborn niece off her corpse, Justin Ray dismembered and mutilated her body, skeleton, and organs, along with decapitating her in front of my two-year-old niece. He then crossed state lines to dump her remains in a Kansas storage unit where he stayed with the kids overnight before attempting to flee on a train for six days to Arizona to burn what was left of my sister's remains. There is no justice. Ask me anything. In an attempt for justice for Jessica, please sign my petition linked below. So I looked, I looked it up. Mm -hmm. This guy, Justin Ray, he and his wife and kids were staying in a hotel room. He said at first, that she committed suicide after delivering their newborn baby. 
but then changed his story and said that she had actually died during childbirth. After doing all of the things that the Reddit user talked about, Mm -hmm. he was seen leaving the hotel dressed as a woman, wearing a wig, dragging a cooler behind him, and leaving the bloody bedsheets behind in his room. The manager of the storage facility is actually the one who called police because the alarm went off, like the overnight alarm went off. So the officer who who responded to the scene thankfully took the children into protective custody. Thank God. And then Justin gave police his phone to quote-unquote aid in the investigation, and they found child pornography on there. Look at this. This was his sentencing. 104 months in prison. 104 months. That's like eight and a half years in prison. What in the absolute fuck? So he wasn't charged at all with uh, murder, um, dismemberment, mutilation of a corpse, concealing a death. None of that. He was charged with two counts of aggravated child endangerment. Two, ch- two counts of child misconduct and three counts of possession of child pornography. Because dismemberment and mutilation of a, of a corpse is not illegal in all 50 states. So that is why she, Jessica's sister has this petition. And that's why I wanted to talk about this because I want our listeners to go and sign this petition. She started it to get those two crimes to be illegal as a federal law, like across all of the U.S., uh, which is like a no-brainer, right? Right. right. Um, what what state is it that I th- I think she said? Well, the okay, Kansas. I believe is where it took Kansas. place, and he was trying to escape to Arizona. Okay, yeah. So, um, if everyone could go sign that i'll have it linked in the podcast description but please what in the actual fuck not even like murder no and i don't know if it's because they can't prove that he killed her but it's like well how can you he dismembered her body that alone should be a fucking crime right oh my god i mean you would assume i hope that he like you don't just if your wife dies during childbirth you don't just cut up her body. Like, what? That makes no sense. You call police. <laughs> just, there's so much wrong with it. And I hope that something is done. I and hope so this is what we can do. Fucking, I hope that uh, his fellow prison mates take care of him. So, like I said, I'll have... A petition that I want everyone to go sign in the podcast description. It literally only has like 500 signatures. So please, I'm putting it out there. I want everyone to go sign it. Yeah, maybe we should do a deeper dive sometime and do a bigger episode. I agree. Because holy fuck, that is so not okay. Yeah. Like I said, probably the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. Okay. So I do have their... Whatever you would call it. What is it called? Their username? <laughs> yeah. That's, like, pretty universal. You know. 
Coming on chair. <laughs> okay, but uh, usually they're referred to as OP. Oh, original poster. Yes. Okay, makes sense. So their their username is half yellow, half white. Okay. They say, happened to my boss's friend when they were around 17 years old. Best friend's parents were out of town one weekend, and she had the house to herself. Went about her business, having dinner, watching TV, then decided to go to bed. She was lying in her bed with her back to her closet when she heard the door open. She somehow pretended to be asleep. The man who was hiding in the closet walked around her bed to the side she was laying slash facing, gently stroked her hair and face, and then left. She immediately called her boyfriend to ask him to come over, then called her parents and then the police. Long story short, this man had been getting into their home via a doggy door. Do not have a fucking doggy door. And she says this, they didn't have a dog and didn't bother to secure it. Why? And he had been living in a tent in the foresty area behind their home for months to creep on her. They found a ton of surveillance footage of her sleeping and pieces of her clothes and stuff. If I recall correctly, this happened somewhere in Alabama, most likely mid-2000s. Gross. That gives me feelings that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of the stories of, like, people living in the walls of other people's <gasps> homes. I know. I know. I saw some uh, stories like that. Yeah, those are terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one is from Colt Has Seen Some Stuff. Colt. Colt. Reminds me of 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> so the subreddit it was on is... True Scary Stories. True Scary Stories. He says, This is my first post and is a true story. I was living in a rural area in Oklahoma with my mother at a small lake house, and I'm probably 10 or 11 at this time. One night I'm sleeping in my room when I randomly and abruptly wake up for no reason. This was not normal for me and I felt very uneasy. The only sound I could hear was my mother snoring in the next room on the couch. I rolled over and tried to go back to sleep, but my need to use the bathroom was growing more urgent. So I grudgingly forced myself to head that way. The bathroom is on the other side of the house, around a corner and past the kitchen, and finally down a long hallway on the right. So after I made the trip and finished my business, I flipped off the light switch and started heading back to bed. That's when I heard the distinct click of the light switch, and I saw the glow of the bathroom light in the hallway. Terrified, I slowly turned around just to witness the light in the bathroom start clicking on and off. Finally, it shut off completely. In the dark of the hallway, my eyes began to make out a white shape near the end of the hall. It was around my size and crouched to the floor. I don't like that. At this point, I'm frozen to the spot as my mind begins realizing that no one else is home except for my mom and myself. Then the white shape began whispering in a quiet man's voice, help me, I'm lost. 
I remember wanting to scream for my mom, but I couldn't. And instead, I barely said no before this thing started running at me at what sounded like all fours. I quickly ran through the kitchen and around the corner before running to my sleeping mother, shaking her awake. I remember saying, it's coming, it's coming, and my mother's eyes going from dazed to alert in an instant. She asked me what was going on, and I saw her eyes look over my shoulder before she screamed. Remembering her scream still makes my blood run cold. Never had I heard pure terror like that in my life, even to this day. She grabs me by the arms and pulls me into my room and slams the door. She holds me in her arms with her back pressed against the door as we listen. It sounded like this thing was running around in circles in the kitchen. We could hear hands and feet slapping against the tile. The kitchen had a sliding glass door to the outside, which sounded like it was thrown open and then slammed. We sat there horrified until daybreak. I was sent to my grandmother's in the next town for a while after that, and never set foot in that house again. Years later, my mother said she went walking around the property after the incident and came across a small burial site with three headstones that each belonged to children from the early 1900s. It freaks me out because what I heard that night was a man's voice, but it was so unnatural. My mom still will not tell me what she saw behind me and what it was that made her scream. She tells me she's afraid it will know we're talking about it and it will come back. Okay, so it is from the philosopher KMH. It says, A guy I was good friends with had a party one night and called me to invite me over. It was me and my wife's first day off together in a while, and our daughter was two years old. I mentioned it to my wife, and my daughter said, No, don't go, Daddy. Of course, I can't resist that, so I stayed home, and we had a good night. My friend, however, had the worst night of his life. His party was going good and everything was fine, even though there was a friend of a friend there who no one really knew. Turns out this stranger had been smoking PCP. Oh, God. And decided to start killing people. He took a butcher knife and slashed three people's throats. My friend's wife threw their kids out of a two-story window and jumped out herself, took them into the woods and called the police. All three people died. The police found the guy walking down the side of the road covered in blood and incoherent. He had no idea what he had just done. What really pisses me off is he was such a good guy. He was a big biker-looking teddy bear, was never an asshole to anyone, and always did what was right. We worked together and hit it off from day one, always ready to joke with a smile. Maybe not going saved my life, or maybe I could have helped. That weighs on me even 20 years later. The fact that some little POS destroyed the lives of three good families that he didn't even know really pisses me off, and I hope he rots in prison and gets his ass kicked every day. And then he says, rest in peace, Blaine, you were a good man. Edit, my friend was one of the three murdered that night. Sorry I wasn't specific about that. PCP is fucked. That is scary, scary stuff. Isn't it embalming fluid? I don't know. 
Is it? That is what someone who did it told me before. Oh my god, I gotta look that it up. Was, what? It was because he like broke into a funeral home. <gasps> what the fuck? It's not, it says it's not the same as in balming fluid, but they can produce similar effects. Interesting. <laughs> Crazy. Ugh. Yeah. So this next one is from that same subreddit, True Scary Stories. And it's from nice-presence-1639. I. This happened to me and my girlfriend I was dating back in the summer of 2014. This all took place in South Carolina, and my girlfriend and I wanted to take a camping trip. We initially tried to go to a place 45 miles from our hometown, but they were going to charge us double what we thought we were going to pay for. We decided to head back, and it just occurred to me there's a spot in very close to where we live. Now, I will say it's more boondocking than (laughs) off-grid. We didn't have to pay for anything, just parked the car, and we got out. This place is quite gorgeous. There's a historic bridge and trail, also some of the oldest railroad tracks in the south. We got there before sunset, so we had plenty of time to pitch the tent and set everything up. There were a few cars when we arrived, but they were most likely hikers and we'd be gone by nightfall. The only thing that made us uncomfortable was a busted up and rusted old white van with no license plate. Yeah, that would make me uncomfy, too. This story fucked me up. (sighs) We both pointed that out, thinking it was weird, but we shrugged it off and started walking to a good place to set camp up. After several hours, around 3 a.m., following some quality time spent with her and taking in all the nature and then going to sleep, we started to hear this obscure singing and walking around our tent. Anytime you hear commotion that early in the morning, nothing good can happen out of it. I peered my head out the tent to see what was going on. I didn't see anything or anyone, but nonetheless, I didn't want to stay in that area when we both were freaked out. Just because I couldn't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I barely did a decent walk around our tent. As we were quietly gathering our belongings, we swore we heard the singing get louder. I recall words in the song he was singing had, Now won't y'all come out, followed by this raspy laughing. Once we finally packed the tent, that was when crunching on the leaves and his humming is what we heard, so we knew this guy was close by. We booked it. I grabbed her hand and threw the tent and folding chairs on my back. We made sure to run the opposite way from where all this noise was coming from. Luckily, we set camp up fairly close to the parking lot because I could see lights through the trees. As we ran and scurried away from whoever was chasing us, we noticed the lights from the parking lot wasn't just the street lights, but also, to our horror, it was that old, rusty, white van we saw at the beginning. We hurried uphill, just hoping this guy was alone. His van was right in front of mine. If he had an accomplice, that would be another person to deal with. As we reached the lot, we got into the bright streetlights, 
I noticed my girlfriend's hand make a slight twitch. Her pace slowed down from that I could tell she was turning her head to take a look at her attacker. I heard her gasp loudly. Come on, don't look, we're almost there. She focused back and we continued running in unison. This guy was getting closer, as I can hear the noise of the gravel intensify. I heard his wheezing and him barking. Don't y'all think you'll get away? As we just made it past the van, we split, and I handed her the keys so she could unlock and start the car, and I can throw all the gear in the trunk, and we can make it out of this place. As I frantically laid the camping gear in the back seat and head to the driver's side, that was when my body faced forward for the first time in a while. Every noise this guy was making was close and amplified now. With the car running, I kept my head down to put it in reverse, but curiosity got the better of me. In the brightness of my headlights, this man... What the fuck? This man was a behemoth with a stern, wrinkled face with red, patchy hair. A goatee that had dirt and crud smeared over it. His eyes were fixated on us like a scope magnifying on two ten-point bucks. He was wanting to kill. Get back here, he barked, waving a baseball bat back and forth. I shook my head, and with that, I swerved out, and we were on our way out with our hearts racing. In the rearview mirror, we saw the man slam the bat in frustration. A narrow escape, we drove to Waffle House and spent the rest of the early morning until the sunrise. What the fuck? That was scary. <laughs> yeah. This is my, I love camping, but this is my worst fear <laughs> with camping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creepers. <laughs> okay. Our next one is, I don't know if this is a word, Byzantium. That's their username. Byzantium42. <laughs> is it a word? Mm, uh, I know. Uh, anyways, they're basically, like, submitting, um, a story that has, like, stuck with them, so it's not their story, (laughs) but it brought this to my attention. I never heard of it before. They said, I read a story recently about Paulette Gerbera Farah, I think is how you say her name, a four-year-old child who went missing from her room in 2010. Her parents immediately notified authorities and started a social media campaign to find Paulette. Paulette's room was searched multiple times and used by her parents to do media interviews. Here's the terrifying part. Paulette was found dead 10 days later in her bed. She had wedged herself between the mattress and the footboard and suffocated. And then they attached an image and said, here is her bed before they found her. It's insane looking at that picture and knowing she's there and no one had found her. And they were doing interviews in there. Holy fuck. I'd never heard of that before. Uh -uh. (sighs) Uh-uh. That is just god awful. How old was she? Four years old. That's so awful. Okay. 
So another one from True Scary Stories. The username is Revenant10-15. They say, I'm a police officer in the southern U.S. in a suburban department of about 100 sworn officers. I work in a college town. I've been on about 10 years now, made sergeant four years ago. But at the time of this story, I was just two years on working night shift patrol. It's crazy to me that they saw this two years in and have decided to stay another eight years. <laughs> this mm-hmm. one's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, very fucked up. Yeah. I've been lucky that not a lot has affected me, mentally anyway, during my career. I don't have kids. That's how it gets to you usually. You can build all the mental walls you want. But when you have an emotional connection with your kids and see something happen to kids, the walls mean nothing. Anyway, this one stuck with me. Still makes my hair stand on end, especially when it rains. It was September, just after midnight. I get put on a call of shots fired. Now, normally these calls turn out to be either fireworks or perhaps a car backfiring, but mostly fireworks. So unless we get multiple calls on it, or a confirmed gunman, or someone confirmed wounded, we just send one unit. That night, it was me. The shots fired was reported around a college football stadium. This was during football season, so there were a bunch of really big white tents set up all around in the parking lots for tailgaters. I notified dispatch that I was on scene and started rolling through the parking lots, casting my spotlight here and there. It was raining, pretty heavily, and hard to see. About halfway through the lots, my spotlight illuminated the silhouette of a man sitting in a folding chair under one of those big tents. I pulled closer and lit him up and notified dispatch that I was out with one in the parking lot. His back was to me. He appeared to be hunched forward, as if his elbows were on his knees and his head leaning forward. I walked towards him and started calling out to him. Can't remember exactly what I said, but something like, Hey man, are you okay? You heard anything strange? Can you come talk to me? He didn't move or answer. As I drew closer, I lit him up with my flashlight. I then noticed the outline of a shotgun on the pavement next to him. Combined with him not answering and the nature of the call, it was enough for me to break leather and have dispatch hold the channel. I kept calling to him as I approached, asking him to show me his hands etc. 30 feet, 20 feet, 10 feet. My handgun has a streamlight TLR1 light on it, so I had lit him up. 6 feet under the tent with him, 5 feet, 4 feet. I close on him, come around the front. Shotgun suicides are difficult. Often if they put the barrel under their chin, the blast from the barrel will blow the gun out from under their chin before the shot ever hits them. There was a guy in my hometown that succeeded in a shotgun suicide only because he did it in front of a pond. Put the barrel under his chin, pulled the trigger, only managed to blow his face off. Coroner said he probably ran around screaming through the hole that used to be his mouth before he drowned in the pond. This guy succeeded, blew his head clean off. You do this job long enough, you notice funny little details. His elbows were indeed resting on his knees. It was as though he blew his head off, set the shotgun on the ground next to him, and then leaned forward and rested his elbows on his knees to think about what he had done. 
About that time, I noticed that even though I was under the tent with him, it felt like it was still raining. And then I looked up. That paints such a terrible, awful, awful picture. I cannot imagine. That's why I'm saying the fact that this was two years and into it and he has stayed on for eight more years, like, my God, I can't. takes a special kind of person. I know, but it's crazy because, like, I belong to some, like, Facebook groups of local scanner calls. You would not believe the amount of uh, first responders who commit suicide. And it's probably because they see shit like this way too often. Yeah. It's just awful. I can't imagine. So this one is from a user named... Santamente. It says, Back in 2005, I was in a band that toured the country in a 15-passenger van with a trailer. We were on the way from Columbus, Ohio to Erie, Pennsylvania. The show had been canceled in Ohio due to a power outage, so we decided to get on the road early as we had friends in Erie who were taking us in for the night. I'll never forget this moment for the rest of my life. We were all having a conversation There were eight of us in total in the van when the driver and passenger both shouted simultaneously. What the blank was that? I'm getting goosebumps on my arms right now just remembering the event. I was sitting behind the driver with my back against the window and I didn't see anything. But we heard a whooshing noise as if something flew right over the van. My friend who was sitting next to me looked like he had just seen a ghost. We wound up pulling over on the side of the road because everyone was freaking out, thinking we hit something. Nothing was found. Both the passenger and driver said they saw a tall, black figure lunge at the van from the shoulder of the left lane. My friend who was sitting next to me said the same thing. The next day, we inspected the van in daylight and noticed there were streak marks across the roof of the van. Reminds me of Jeepers Creepers. Did you ever watch that movie? Mm-hmm. <sighs> you don't love that. You look shocked. Yeah, no, thank you. Okay, so this one, it's short. It says My grandmother died of brain cancer about 20 years ago. About two weeks after she died, I was hanging out over at my parents' place, and my mom got a call. No number, no unknown number just blank caller ID. She answered it, got quiet, hung up, and went to her room without saying anything. When I finally got her to talk about it, she said it was her mother, saying she was trapped, and please come get her, because they wouldn't let her leave. Over and over again. And then the phone disconnected. I asked her about it a few years ago, and she denied that it happened for a bit, and then admitted that it had happened two more times that year, and then stopped, but she didn't want to discuss it anymore. 
Holy fuck. Can you imagine hearing your loved one saying, no, please come that's and passed get away. me? Yes. Ugh. Oh my god. Last night, uh, Rachie B told me that on, like, I think it was like her mom's side of the family or something, the women, someone will come and knock on their door and no one's there and like, Seven days later, someone dies. Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Yes. How I, many times has that happened? I, I, she's, I don't... It was, like, obviously more than once or twice. Right. And, like, to several other people. That is so... Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Like, what do you do? If that happens, like... Say your goodbyes, your love... Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Like, which one is it going right. to be next? That is so fucking wild. Right? Oh, my God. How terrifying is that? Yeah. It's like... Like, death is literally knocking, knocking at your, your door. door. Right. Wow. Ooh, that creeps me I out. I know. I know. She said that. And I was like... What the fuck? Oh, my God. God. I need to meet this woman. She sounds like she has some very interesting stories. She's a lovely lady. Rachie B, I love you so much. Please be my friend. <laughs> Through association, she is. Don't worry. Uh, she. I love that it works that way. She, <laughs> she wants to meet you, too. Sweet. Okay, I have two more. Um... <laughs> This one is from CCW Throwaway 360. It says, One of my best friends growing up had an aunt that was the sweetest, most generous woman you could possibly know. She started dating a man that fell in love with her because of how sweet and kind she was. After a month or so of being together, he accused her of being too nice to other people. So he bludgeoned her until she was unconscious and cut her heart out of her chest while she was still alive. He thought it was the worst example of sheer disrespect that she would exhibit kindness towards other people when she was in a committed relationship. He believed he owned all of the good she had to give, and by being nice to people that weren't him, she may as well have been cheating with the whole town. He killed her for being the person he knew her to be when they started dating. The fact that people like him exist is terrifying to me. That is so crazy to me. Oh my god. Killed her for being too nice to other people. Like what? What type of logic? And not, like, she's such a kind, amazing person, and I'm, you're gonna kill her in such a painful, Like, that's what, painful, that's what attracted to you to her in the first yeah. place. But now you're what like, no, it's fuck? all for me. Like, there are some fucked up people. One last short little story for you. Tell me. Okay, it's from... Mega Man 1410. Mega Man. Mega Man. <laughs> okay, it says, I was sitting in my room at like 11.30 p.m., heard a lot of shit downstairs, 
assumed it was my mom. Heard her walk up the stairs to my room. Stop. I called out to her. She didn't say anything and walked downstairs. I went down about half an hour later to find a piece of paper with the words, You're lucky I'm scared too, on it. And a whole bunch of shit was missing. I called my mom. She still hadn't arrived home from a dinner she was at with her friends. I called the cops and locked myself in the bathroom, but I think they left when they realized I was still home. Probably the most scared I've ever been when I was hiding in that bathroom. You're lucky I'm scared too. Absolutely not. I've I've actually thought about this quite a bit. You know, people that like murder other people or, you know, or just like people that go in to rob people or whatever. It's, it's like, uh, it's threatening to their life too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, cause like that person's going to fight for their life. Well, you know, you don't know, fight or you flight, don't know what's freeze, going on, whatever. You know? right. right. But it's possible that this person will kill you mm-hmm. for trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think about that a lot. I don't know why. It's just something that yeah. nobody ever like talks about is like that well, aspect of like. Yes, I agree. And um, it actually made me realize that it was a while ago. An old co-worker was talking to me and something about like. He had mentioned something about like breaking in and stealing cars. And I was like, that sounds like a nightmare to me. Like I would be so full of anxiety. There's no way. And he was like, that's called adrenaline and people are addicted to it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. But I I wonder if that is like one of the motivations though, that like serial killers have is just the adrenaline rush (sighs) that they get from like be unexpected not knowing what's yep. on the other well, side of that door adrenaline is a hell of a drug it's a thing but like damn is it true it's just crazy to think about i've never heard anyone talk about that perspective obviously yeah. because like right yeah i guess we're not know? we're not killers we're not adren- adrenaline junkies i mean i like adrenaline but not enough to like Go go do steal a car. Like yeah, break no, in. Absolutely not. I like exactly. my life a exactly. lot more. Than my adrenaline is like skinny dipping. Uh, yeah, <laughs> streaking. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> you know, that's that's tame enough for me. <sighs> yeah, very Ooh. interesting. You're lucky. I'm scared too. Wow, Fuck that shit. That would stick with me forever. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's it for our Reddit stories tonight. Thank you, Reddit. Much appreciated. Maybe, you know what we can do? All the Reddit links that I send you that you never respond to, we can just put, (laughs) make it an episode. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm sorry that I'm the worst. Um, I do hope that this makes people send our, their uh, listener tales in. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a few more, We've but got it's a... still not enough. It's just not enough to do a full episode yet. I want to make sure. How we... long? 
Because Rochelle seemed really long. That was the longest that I had. Okay, well. The other ones are quite short. Which is okay. That's fine. If Just your story we, we more of Yeah. Them. If your story is short, send it in. We want to hear it. These mm-hmm. were short and they were still great. Mm-hmm. Loved them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you got a really long story, send it in. It's great. Love them. We love it. Um, yeah. Send those in. Listenertales at gmail.com. Please and thank you. And then hopefully in the near future, we can do a Listener Tales episode. Yeah, and let us know if you you hated this, or you thought it was okay, or you liked it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely let us know. Because otherwise we won't know. And then we'll just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you'll fucking hate us. We don't want that. We want you to love us. So We do. All right, well, thank you all for joining us. I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. And remember to always Always keep keep it spooky. spooky.